Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live.
Good evening, sir. How you doing, man? All right, and yourself? Yeah, I've had better days, but I'm all right. But... Sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. No, I ain't nothing like that. I'm all right. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to try to get AK yeah. on the line. All right, give me a moment. Gentlemen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All righty. Demetrius, this is Ahmad. Ahmad, Demetrius Gorham. He's uh, with an Ohio Bias uh, website. We, we talked briefly, but uh, we can get ready to go ahead and jump right into it. Hey, what's going on, Demetrius? How you doing, man? How you doing, Ahmad, man? I like the artwork and everything you got going with uh, New oh. Stripe City, man. I appreciate it, man. Likewise, what you guys got going on over at uh, with an Ohio bias, man. Likewise, we're we're trying, we're trying. So, um, yeah, we brought Garrett on to um, you know talk Bengals because uh, it's with an Ohio bias. It's not just a with a Northeast Ohio bias. Just because you know me and Jacob <laughs> Brown's fan, so um, he's been holding that down for us. And uh, he said he wanted to get with you on some joint podcasting and things like that. So I do a lot of the technical behind the scenes stuff. Um, okay, sounds good. Cool. So that's just, you know what I'm saying, but I, I'll try to frame this conversation a little bit, but you guys are really going to, you know, of course, as they would say, be the Jeremy Hill of this thing and the Gio Bernard and carry the load. So. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, I, I do have one thing just to, you know, ask you guys one question just of what you think of something. It's, it could be going, it could be for the podcast or not. Um, and just so you know, I'm, I, I we record to edit it, so you know, like I edit around and stuff like that. If you, you know, what I'm saying, right. look for a stat or you need something for a second because I know you go heavy with the numbers on New Stripe City. So you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah, no problem. Is it even possible? I'm looking. I just was doing some preliminary research, and bottom line, y'all got a lot of draft picks with the compensatory picks too. Would they even trade AJ McCarron for a draft pick, or are we talking personnel? Like what? You know what I mean? Like if they were going to move him, what would they really want? I think uh, what they're looking for in the AJ McCarron trade, they're looking for something, and I would probably say near top of the second round compensation, uh, more than likely. Uh, I think. I've heard whispers that the Browns have stated that uh, the Bengals are looking for early second-round picks, so I think that could be it. Um, a first-rounder for McCarron, I think, would be a little too rich for for some teams out there right now, so I think a second-rounder would do it. Got 33rd, or we're at um, – we got 33 and we got 50. I think we got 33 off the top. I know we got 33. I just can't remember what that right. other one is. Right. Would it be so this year's like draft? Because we got, we got two second-rounders in next year's draft, too, a high second-round in next year's draft that we got from Philly as well. I would think that it would have to be this year if they were to move him this year, um, just because they really do value McCarron. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd be surprised if they actually move McCarron. A lot of people are expecting them to, 
but I think it's going to have to be something that kind of knocks them off of their feet. And I say that just because back in 2015 when Andy Dalton did get hurt and he came in and was able to win a couple of games, there was auto, there was almost somewhat of a minimal drop-off there. So I think that that really taught them that they valued uh, McCarron because before that we've always had like really garbage backup quarterbacks, like really terrible ones like Josh Johnson and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Before he went to the Jets and before he actually became a decent quarterback, he was very garbage. So I yeah. think that plays a huge factor in why they value McCarron so much. Oh. Yeah. I think John Kittner was the last legitimate backup slash starter that we've had, and maybe Jeff Blake, but that's going deep. That's right. going back a while. <laughs> that's going back, definitely. Yeah. You know what's yeah, funny yeah, about yeah. the Jeff Blake thing? It makes me think of Akili Smith, who uh, this chick I knew in college, her roommate dated this dude. and I mean, yada, yada, yada. You know how the college thing goes. But I kept telling this right. chick, right. I said, this dude is out there getting it. He is a number one round, first round draft pick. There's no way he's still <laughs> loyal to this little Puerto Rican chick. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, I'm not hating, right, but right. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, it, it went oh, bad for okay. his career. It went bad for their relationship. But needless to say, we move on. Uh, all right. All right. Y'all ready to go? Yeah, we're ready to go. Yeah, bro. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I guess first thing we got to touch on, man, is, is is definitely with Marvin Lewis. How do you feel? Do you feel he needs to he needs to be here? You know, the big contract extension, he's asking for an extension. And, you know, personally myself, I feel like the uh, management, there's no reason to to just give him an extension right now. He has to prove himself. This would make a break season. I think any other organization, he would have been fired by now. But it's just with Mike Brown trying to stick to the script and really trying to pattern after uh, the Rooney family up there in Pittsburgh and, and, you know, trying to have stability, you know, at the head coaching position. But what's, what's your take on that? My take is I don't know if you guys heard uh, my RIP – uh, Marvin Lewis episode that I had during the season last year. I, in my opinion, I think Marvin Lewis is, definitely doesn't deserve an extension. Um, he's happy to okay. even have his job right now. Exactly. Uh, definitely coming in at six nine and one, where to me, in my opinion, a lot of the the losses that we incurred last season was due to coaching. When you really look at those games, like uh-huh. for the most part, a lot of the coaching decisions played a pivotal role in a lot of those losses, like the decision to keep throwing Cedric Obwehi out there after he clearly was an issue, after Dalton was clearly being sacked multiple times. I mean, there were just so many coaching issues last year that I think Marvin is lucky to have a job now. Um, as far as an extension, I don't think it warrants. Um, I don't think it warrants an extension. When you look at some of the last years where he received those one-year extensions, it was after we made it to the playoffs, and you know there was some kind of issue that was out of his hands that happened, like in 2015 with Andy Dalton being hurt. Uh, you look before that, where Andy Dalton had a completely de- de- depleted, basically wide receiving core. I mean, so. To me, he hasn't done enough to warrant us 
giving him an extension at all. I mean, I think the only reason that he stuck around is that when you look at the landscape of the coaches that are available for hire, it's not really that impressive. I mean, a lot of people want to say Josh McDaniels. I don't really put too much stock into Josh McDaniels because we've seen this story before. We've seen this story before. The Patriots go out, they win a Super Bowl, people hire their assistants, and they don't do anything. I mean, I'm pretty sure Cleveland fans are familiar with Romeo Cornell, okay? I'm pretty sure we've seen all of these other coaches from uh, New England go out and they haven't done anything because they're not Bill Belichick. And so unless you're – Yeah, exactly. Unless you're bringing in a guy like a a Jim Harbaugh who's probably not going to leave Michigan, I mean, you're probably better off keeping Marvin Lewis. And, I mean, it kind of stinks to say that. But, I mean, honestly, right now in this short term, there's probably not a better option out there other than keeping him for this last year and then seeing what what guys are available next year. Right. Um, My personal opinion is, you know, to keep – you know, I mean, just just knowing Mike Brown and we know that he doesn't – He's not going to pay a guy to sit at home, so you know he's going to. He likes for a coach to finish out that contract because we all know that Mike Brown isn't. He's pretty uh, tight with the pocketbook, so we we get that this is we're, we're, he'll play out this last season. Right. My hope is I, I would love for them, you know, if, if if Mike Brown ever became aggressive and and just really go after a John Gruden, but if you know that's an A list my A-list, but if if you're talking B-list or something like that, then I would like to see maybe a, uh, a Vance Joseph, somebody of that nature, maybe, you know, to give him a shot. Because really I just think that – I think it's a complacency within the organization. I think, uh, you know, Marvin's guys, he has a family, father-like hold on the team, and it's, right. it's a, a – it's a loyalty, just like you said, you know, to the guys he's drafted. Like you said, Abwehi, we all knew that he should have been benched, you know, three or four games earlier. But I think right. it's, it's it's this this loyalty issue that he has to his guys that he drafts that really got us into some trouble this year. So I, I, I think you got to – sometimes, you know, like they say, you know, a guy's message – can get old with the team and, and people stop listening. And sometimes right. you just have to make that change, have to make that switch. Like I, I was a big fan of Andy Reid in Philadelphia. But like right. anything else, you know, sometimes a, guy, a head coach's time, it, it, it runs its course. And I think that's right. just what's happened here with uh, Marvin. Right, and I think that I, I somewhat agree with that. You know, since I live in Florida now, I get uh-huh. to kind of look around and look at teams like Tampa Bay and Jacksonville. So I uh-huh. kind of, in a sense, understand why they aren't quick to, you know, blow everything up and get rid of Marvin. It, it's tough, though, because, you know, just coming from that era that we came from in the early 2000s and watching uh-huh. him transform this team, it's uh-huh. almost like we're kind of scared to move away from him because, before last season, I was I was definitely a pro Marvin Lewis guy because mm-hmm. I watched this guy. I remember after the 2010 season, our franchise was basically in turmoil, and he mm-hmm. kind of used that to his leverage 
to get Mike Brown to do certain things like building player facilities, going out and uh, making sure that we retain the right guys, pick the right guys. So Marvin, in a sense, built this culture in Cincinnati that turned us from being one of the bottom the bottom dweller teams in the NFL to at least a respectable team. So I think that's why Mike Brown is so scared about switching everything up because, you know, what if you go out there and you pick the next Dick LeBeau? You know, yeah. in the Jaguar yeah. situation, they kept the guy. They thought that they had a good guy, and now they're out there again trying to find another head coach. Same with Tampa. They've gone through like four or five coaches. So when you do all of that, you kind of have to proceed with caution just because you don't know what kind of philosophy the guy is going to have coming in. You don't know if you're going to have to change your personnel. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. But I think, like you said, the loyalty definitely gets us in trouble because if you think back to Bill Bratkowski, that that whole situation really got us in trouble. Oh, yeah, Bob cooking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was like yeah. I could predict the offense. It was yeah. like run on first down and second down, pass on third down. That was well, the offense. I'm, I'm not. I, I I personally feel the same way when it comes to uh, Ken Zampini. I, I mean, I was at what game was that when we played Miami that Thursday night? And even though we won that game, because I think you know, just overall team, we were just better. But I can right. tell against, right. against you know upper echelon competition. You know, right. I had a lady standing right next to me, another fan, a Bengals fan, and she was calling out, "Run on first down, pass on second down." And, right. and and pass on third down if we if we're third and long. Let me let right. me break this real quick. It looks like the Jets have released Brandon Marshall, so that's an option if we oh, want to wow. go at number two receiver. But back to the uh, back to the script. So I, I personally I'm not happy with the the offensive play calling. I know AJ Green kind of stuck up for uh, for uh, Ken Zampezi, but I I wasn't I wasn't that impressed. Personally, personally speaking, I, I could I could go a change there, and I don't know defensively wise. I know it was probably some personnel where Michael Johnson's uh, let down as far as uh, getting to the quarterback, and where it, it really showed where you know you only had really Geno to rely on, and you had um, you had uh, Carlos. You know, Carlos really, yeah, yeah. Who could really generate pressure? And the rest of those guys, man, it, it was it's a major drop off. So they really got to revamp. I think for this team to be successful next season, they've got to revamp. They've got question marks all along the offensive line and defensive line. And as we all know in football, that's where you win is in the trenches, offensive and defensive line. And they got to rebuild both lines. Right, I definitely agree. Like you said, the game is definitely one in the trenches. And to me, I, I totally agree. I said this last year. After uh, Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, who do we really have? Yeah, I mean, right. you're bringing in guys like Marcus Hunt, who was a project failure that we yeah. took in the second round. I mean, he wasn't much of anything. You have Will Clark, but, I mean, he's not really yeah. much of an edge rusher either. So yeah. I think that you have to go into this draft open-minded. Now, this is my opinion on what they'll do in the draft. I actually don't think that they'll go edge rusher in the first uh, in the first round. Um, if you look back at their history, uh, 
typically they like those guys that are six six two eighty, right? But a lot of yeah. those guys were picked in the second and third rounds. You look at Carlos Dunlap picked in the second round. You look at right. Michael Johnson picked in the third round. Now, if they do go after a guy, there's a small chance they could go after one of those twinner kind of edge rushers, which a lot of people forget that Marvin Lewis did his second season here in 2005 picking David Pollock. Pollock yeah. Do they go that route? I'm not sure. I but doubt it. I think I, I really doubt it, too. To me, honestly, I think that they need to look at linebacker as well, but I definitely agree with you with the pass rush. It's just It just seems kind of sporadic because – when you look back at, I believe it was 20, was it 2015 or 2014? One of those years, it was like the same situation. The same year, I think that we ended up actually bringing, ironically, Michael Johnson back. It was like they had a down year in sacks. Instead of addressing it in the draft, we went and got him, and then we signed a couple of guys, and it just hasn't, it just hasn't worked to our benefit. And when you look around the NFL these days, you gotta have a Khalil Mack. You gotta have yeah. Von Miller. I mean, yeah. Von Miller was—I I hate to say this—but Von Miller was a major factor on why the Broncos won the Super Bowl and not Peyton Manning. Exactly. So exactly. I mean, this is this is a league where if well, you, you have a guy like JJ Watt, you can mm-hmm. have even though he didn't play that much last year, you can have a guy like Brock Osweiler and, at quarterback and still make the playoffs just because pressuring the quarterback and getting pressure in the trenches is what leads to controlling the outcome of games. And so I think that they definitely have to address it in the draft. I wouldn't be surprised to see them double dip at defensive end in the draft. That is is correct. And I think, you know, we're just going into our next topic with, with the draft. I can't see them. Honestly, I would really love for them if they didn't trade AJ McCarron, I would really love because if you were, I don't know if you follow, you know, NFL Network. I'm sure you do. But uh, Charlie Castley, he was the ex-Redskins GM, and he's on NFL Network a lot. He said right. defense on the defensive side of the ball, this is one of the deepest drafts ever. Right. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't go linebacker first round. I, I think you always go your interior, your offensive lineman and defensive lineman first in your right. first round. And then you can always come back in the second and third and find linebackers, you know, that kind of stuff or whatever. So it'll be interesting to, to see. But uh, I just read that um, that article per uh, Cincy Jungle as far as the coaching staff not being health, um, excuse me, happy with Jeremy Hill, which is interesting. So right. if that if that's if there's really some uh, smoke to that fire, then you know a Leonard Fournette will be sitting at that position, and that's who they say that the Bengals are very uh, very high on. And it sounded like from what Duke Tobin said at the uh, combine, hey, if he's there, we'll, we're we're going by the the philosophy and the mantra of best player available. So it'll be right, interesting right. to see. Well. I have a couple of things to say in response to that. I totally agree with you in terms of the offensive line being a premium position as well as uh, defensive line. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of tend to disagree a little bit with the linebacker position. When you look mm-hmm. at the Bengals last year, um, they're giving up at least 115 yards a game on the ground. They ranked 20th against the run. Um, they weren't as bad. As, they actually were pretty good against the pass. Mm-hmm. But when you look at this draft, it's funny because we've never seen a draft like this with this many edge rushers. So uh-huh. this year, 
compared to last year. This is a draft where you can get a guy in the third round that could possibly end up being a pro bowler. Like, that's how sure. deep this class is at um, at Interior defensive line. Okay. Oh, interior. Now, if we're talking interior, last mm-hmm. year was crazy with the interior defensive line. This year it's more mm-hmm. so of your edge yeah, defensive line. Now, okay. to me, with the interior, if you have a guy like Geno Atkins, his spot is somewhat cemented. You have a guy in Andrew Billings that you picked last year who I think should have been, if not a late first and early second rounder. You have right. Pat Sims, who's a force in the trenches. He was actually one of the best defensive tackles against the run. Delma uh-huh. Peco is now gone. You also have a Deshaun Williams, who was a guy that was an undrafted free agent that when he's been in, has actually been able to get to the quarterback. I actually like their interior. Yeah, and Hardison. Uh-huh. You have Hardison uh-huh. coming back as well. So I actually like their interior defensive line. Now, well, they, back to linebacker. Yeah. Back to linebacker. Ruben Foster is going to be one of the best players, period, from this draft. And he's okay. not one of those, to me, and and he was one of the first guys that I watched during this draft. And mm-hmm. he's one of those special linebackers. Every, every year when I go and I look at guys coming out of the draft and I'm looking at linebackers, I do what I like to call the Patrick Willis test. Okay. okay. Is, is this guy good enough to be taken in the top ten? And when you watch Foster on film, he's more than – we all know that the linebacker is basically the quarterback of the defense. This guy is smart. He can cover. He can hit. It's almost like having two Vontez Burfix. And I really watched a lot of our film last year. And if you noticed, a lot of teams would key in on making sure that Vontez Burfix was blocked. And I'm telling you, if you go back and look at the film, any time where Vontez Burfix was blocked, the opposing team's running backs were getting at least five to to ten yards to carry. It was ridiculous. I agree. I agree. I, I think I think line. Uh, if you're saying with that much depth is in the draft at your edge rush, edge rushers position, then right. I have to recant my statement and then I, I'd have to say if that Foster is available, then I would take him. And I w- I would say other than other than. Um, Vontaze uh, Burfix, you need to revamp both outside uh, or both inside linebackers. Yeah, inside, right. inside and yeah. outside linebackers. Exactly. They need, exactly. they need to, they need to address that in the draft. And it's just because, because when you look at the, when you look at the NFL as a whole, the mm-hmm. linebacker position has changed. You know, to me, we have a guy like Ray Malou who's constantly been a disappointment. But he's almost like a fossil now because yeah, he is. you have guys like tight you have tight ends like Rob Gronkowski that these guys have to cover. Sometimes exactly. they have to cover guys in the slot like a John Brown. You can't exactly. throw out these guys that are, you know, two hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty pounds and you know, they have basically quicksand feet. You have you to get what, an athletic linebacker. You know what that reminded me of? Just you know, just the guys like the and we hate them, but guys like the linebackers they used to have uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, like the Steelers with a uh, LeVon Kirkland and and those right. kind of guys who were just straight in the box, in the middle, couldn't really run sideline to sideline, a middle linebacker to a middle linebacker, and they just stay in that position. And right. what, how, you, how you can see how the league is contrasted, and when you look at, when you look at uh, Atlanta – and see how they're transforming their defense 
and right. with Dan Quinn coming over from uh, Seattle as a defensive coordinator as the uh, head coach over in Atlanta. The, the right. most interesting stat that they uh, said to me, and, and you could see it when they played Green Bay, and, and especially a team where it really showed is they said they had some of the fastest linebackers. He said, I want athletes at linebackers, and they have to be able to cover. And right. you saw that. To, to beat some of these teams and, and for them to to beat up on New England they, the way they did the first half, it just says to me that, like you said, that traditional middle linebacker who can just stuff the run, that's, that's something of the past. You dang near have to have about two to three Ray Lewis's uh, across the board that can run sideline to sideline and, yeah. and, and, and play coverage as well. You know, so it's, right. it's just that that fossil of a, a Ray Malugu who can just rush the, you know, get to the quarterback and, and, and just stuff the run now. That's not going to work on every all three downs because now, like you said, those tight ends they're, they're too versatile now for you right. to have the the old fossil traditional linebackers. So I, I right. definitely agree. Exactly, and I mean to me, honestly, it's more of a it's more of looking at the draft as a whole. Now, like I told you, that this draft is pretty much loaded at edge rusher. It's actually pretty thin at linebacker. So well, like if you don't get yourself a Reuben Foster. The drop off is. It's like a wide drop off from round to round. Now, I mean, there are other. I would, I would, of course, I'm in the minority here. But you mentioned the offensive line. I really mm-hmm. wouldn't mind them taking a Cam Robinson or or somebody to shore up that line. But I just don't think they're going to do it, just given that they're pretty stubborn and loyal, like we alluded to earlier with some of those draft picks like a Cedric O'Boyhe, a Jake Fisher. I honestly uh-huh. think that's where they need to go. But if they're not going to go there, I think you actually have to go, like you said, with either an edge rusher or a linebacker. Well, free agency is getting ready to come around the corner. And uh, a name that kind of sticks out to me, and it, it really entails on what are they going to do in free agency? Because we know the Bengals, you know, historically speaking, they're not – big spenders in free agency, and they normally, what they do is spend their money on re-signing their own. So you have two keys on along the offensive line as far as what are they going to do with Kevin Zeitler? Are they going to re-sign him? And are they going to re-sign Whitworth? And for me, you know, and just if you talk to any NFL GM or scouts around the league and what they, they harp on is you got to protect the blind side, and that's the most important position on the offensive line is your left tackle. So with that being said, I personally think they should re-sign uh, Whitworth first, but I don't think that they. I, I've I've heard around the league, you know, that Whitworth is very valuable and and somebody is willing to pay him. I don't think they're going to be able to re-sign Whitworth if he tests, mm-hmm. if he if he touches the free uh, the free agency market, the open market. Right. I don't think they'll be able to bring back uh, Whitworth. Now, what I would have done is I would re-sign Whitworth. I would let Zeitler walk, and I would sign the guy from the Tennessee Titans, uh, that Chance Womack, to fill the right guard position. And then mm-hmm. I would draft a left guard to replace Clint Bowling, and I would uh, cut Russell Bowdown. I think that experiment failed. And mm-hmm. I would go and bring in uh, maybe in free agency uh, Nick Mangold from the yeah. Jets. Or, or draft, or see if I couldn't draft uh, maybe in the second or third round that Pat Elf line from Ohio State. So it, it'll be interesting right. to see because they're going to have to fill some holes through free agency, even though they do have a lot of uh, compensatory, excuse me, compensatory picks through the draft. Right. Um, 
it's hard for me to say. I actually had John Thornton on my show uh, about two weeks ago, and we kind of jumped into this, and he seems to think that Whitworth will stay. Um, he said that since he's a guy that's up in age, that's mm-hmm. a lot for him to consider, you know, moving his entire family out of Cincinnati, jumping out into the unknown, joining a new organization. You're not going to know how things are going to go. So to me, I kind of tend to agree with John that I don't really see Whitworth entertaining anything outside of a, a possible signing with the New England Patriots. To me, anything else isn't a guarantee. You know, we've heard New York thrown out there. I don't really even think that New York is at the level of a Dallas Cowboys-type team in terms of competing for a championship. Um, you've, you've got some other names that are being thrown out there, teams like uh, the Denver Broncos, you know, maybe, but you have to think about that. That's him moving his entire family all the way out to Denver, and you still have a Trevor Simeon at quarterback. Is he better than Andy Dalton? I can't really say that. Uh, so right. to me, I think I think what Witt is basically doing is what anyone else in his position would do. I mean, you're entering into a free agent period where basically you're going to be one of the top guys on the market, but you have to think about it. The guy's 35. How many teams are going to really pony up more money than the Bengals actually will to go and sign him? I don't think that that's going to happen. So I think that they end up retaining with, I agree uh-huh. with you with, with uh, Zyler walking. I definitely see that happening. Um, this guy's uh-huh. going to get at least, I think, I think Zyler's going to get at least 11 to 12 million on the market easily. Okay. Because I was doing some digging a couple of weeks ago and come to find out he actually has the same agent representation as Kalechi Yosemeli, uh from the Ravens last year that signed with the Raiders for 11 million. So okay. to me, I think what their approach is, and we and you alluded to this earlier was that they tend to keep a lot of the guys of their own that they like to draft and retain. To me, I think another thing that a lot of people don't realize is they also have a forward-thinking view on free agents that are coming up next year, and they've got guys that are coming up next year in a Tyler Eifert and a Vontez Burfitt. When we saw last year with Geo that they like to extend those guys before they get to the market next year. So I can understand them wanting to let – Exactly, which is smart. We saw with A.J. Green and Andy Dalton where they would roll over money and try to extend those guys a year before they became free agents. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's what their strategy is because you have a Tyler Eifert that's up next year and you have a Vontez Burfick up next year. I'd be hard-pressed to say that Kevin Zeitler is better than both of those guys. Well, you know – one other team that sticks out to me, uh, I don't know, I, I think their left tackle is out there in Seattle. Is What is it, Russell O'Connor? Is that him or whatever? Russell O'Connor, yes. Yeah, and he, he doesn't seem to see, seem like he can stay healthy. And I, I think of it from a protection standpoint for Russell Wilson, this was one of the worst years he had. Uh, he, he was under duress, and he got yeah. injured this year. This is the first time he got injured where right. that their offensive line has just just really went to the tank since they made that trade for Jimmy Graham for Max Unger and sending him to uh, New Orleans the center. That right. offensive line has really dropped off. And right. I, that's another destination, I think, with Whitworth that is you never know with Pete Carroll, you know. Right. So we'll see. To be, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But to be honest with you, I think – I think I could actually see Zeitler ending up there. I think Zeitler ends up either there or he may end up in Green Bay. 
I think okay. one of those two locations he could end up there. Um, Seattle, Seattle's philosophy, I would agree with you, but the thing is Seattle's philosophy is that they don't tend to pay too much for their linemen, which is how they're in the predicament that they're in now. So I would mm-hmm. think if they were to go that route, they'd probably pick a lineman in the draft versus paying Witt an enormous amount of money because you have to think about it. Witt himself is probably going to get at least $10 million a year, whether that's from the Bengals or whether that's on the open market. Now, I know that you also touched on uh, Chance Warmack. I'm mm-hmm. not a Chance Warmack fan because I did a lot of digging on Chance Warmack. And the Titans actually are, they didn't renew his, uh, or they didn't exercise his fifth-year option. And it's because mm-hmm. ever since he's been there, he hasn't lived up to the draft pick. Uh, he actually, okay. I was looking at some pro football focus numbers. Their line actually played better without him than with him. So he's, he's, a, he's a guy that just doesn't, he's almost like a Russell Bodine, just to be honest with you. He has, okay. like, he has flashes of somewhat decent moments here and there, but... Mm-hmm. Overall, he's not going to be a solution. So if you, to me, if you let Kevin Zeitler walk, you're almost better off letting a guy like a Christian Westerman or you know a T.J. Johnson, like they've alluded to, step in there at a at a cheaper price and possibly, given the situation and from what I heard about this guy, well, probably me... outplay him. Now, do you have a guy out there? I can't recall his name, but he's a free agent uh, guard from Detroit. Okay. That guy's pretty good. That guy okay. is pretty good. Um, other let me than blow, that, let me let me let me take you down memory lane real quick. Uh, there's another right tackle who will be available uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. Oh yes, sir. Yes, and sir. Uh, they they've <laughs> rumored since since he's younger. I don't want to go that route, but they've been rumored to have a reunion and bring him back in. Uh, right. Andre Smith. Right. Oh man, I, I I can't wait to touch on this one. I actually was thinking about this uh, before they even reported it. It makes absolutely the most sense, and I'll tell you why. A lot of people in the jungle use the head on Andre Smith. I wasn't in I wasn't uh, in that group of the people who hated him. Andre Smith was a pretty good right tackle while he was here. He was one of the top right tackles in the NFL a couple of years ago. A lot of people forget about that. I think Andre's problem was more so the mental mistakes that he would make as far as jumping off sides. But if you gave me the decision or the choice between having a guy that's going to jump off sides or having a guy that's going to let Andy Dalton get killed four or five times a game, I'm taking the guy that's going to jump off sides every once in a blue moon. I agree. I I think that he's a perfect fit to bring back here. Because to be Mm -hmm. honest with you, I don't think Obwehi – or Jake Fisher can end up living up to the type of play that Andre Smith had in his best years here in Cincinnati. So I'd love to see him back, especially here's Christ. Here's my personal bias, and um, when you talk about Alabama products, um, I'm not too high on their defensive backs. I think they're a little bit overrated because of the pass rush that generates up front. But here's what here's here's what I had to say about them. I think offensive line wise, if you're a power running team, then you take our Alabama offensive linemen. But what they all seem to struggle with to me because they're just so large, none of them really can pass block well. My yeah. personal opinion. And I, I even though Andre Smith was great in the run game, but he, he struggled at times also with, with speed speed pass rushes uh getting around him. So 
he would be an upgrade on at anything we have at right tackle right now. But that's I'm, I'm still I that I mean it wouldn't make me happy, but I mean it, it's 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 an upgrade. I don't know. It's it's a catch twenty two. But um, well, I think I I have to slightly slightly disagree there just because I think early on when Andre struggled. I, he still didn't give up that many sacks when he was here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He never really had a year where, because like Cedric gave up so many sacks, he never really had a year where he's given up a lot of sacks here. I think his last year here, he really struggled with staying healthy. And that right. was like his biggest issue that he had with us. But I mean, after you let a guy like Cedric go, boy, he get 38, oh. you know, combined pressures. And sacks. Yeah. Yeah, anything's like better. Anything's well, better than that. Yeah. You might as well throw Eric Winston out there at some point. I mean, right. yeah, anything like you said is better than that. But I can totally agree why you would have concerns about um, bringing Bring Andre back. Smith back as well. Now, here's my next topic that I want to touch on. How do you feel as far as the uh, the first year of Ken Zampezi as the new offensive coordinator replacing uh, Hugh Jackson that went up to Cleveland and, and just the offensive efficiency? Under Ken Zampezi, man, I honestly think it's unfair to compare him to a guy like you because we're talking about a guy like you that's been a head coach. You know, he's a he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. So it's hard to it's hard to really compare the two, given that mm-hmm. you know this was Zampezi's first year as an offensive coordinator. Um, looking at the offense, I really don't, in a sense, and I might get some flack for this. I don't blame him as much because I look at the overall picture of what he had to deal with. Okay, so he's coming in with a guy in Andy Dalton who lost two of his, you know, big three receivers. You lost to Marvin Jones. You lost to Mohamed Sanu. So these are two guys who have been in your system for three years that are gone. Okay, you're bringing in a Brandon LaFell who's never played in this offense before, never played with Andy Dalton before. You're also bringing in Tyler Boyd who's coming straight out of college, never played in the NFL system before. You're bringing in a Cody core. So, you know, he had a whole bunch of guys who were brand new. Sure. Combine that with a struggling offensive line. You know, sure. who's to say that some of those plays wouldn't have worked had Andy Dalton had the blocking that he should have had or had Jeremy Hill had some of those lanes open. You know, I know you spoke earlier about, you know, the Bengals considering Leonard Fournette. I don't know why you would do that if your offensive line isn't good. I mean, it doesn't matter fair. unless you have Barry Sanders. It doesn't matter, and we both know that we we both played. If that line isn't blocking for that running back, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Back there. Exactly. You saw that with exactly. Todd Gurley last year. It didn't exactly. matter, and Todd Gurley had a worse year than Jeremy Hill. So, exactly. Uh, to me, man, it's just uh, it's yeah, just that. a multitude of things on offense, and when you really honestly look at the numbers, the Bengals' offense wasn't even that bad. They were yeah. in the top half of the league. It was just the scoring and the consistency. Their red zone efficiency. And, their, took, and yeah, the red zone. Back. And then you missed the Tyler Eifert. So it's hard for me yeah. to say, you know, you had part of the season without Tyler Eifert. You had new guys in there. AJ missed games. It's hard for me to just say, hey, this guy, you know, this guy had a fair chance of, you know, having a, a good offense out there. It's, it's too hard for me to say that. I have to see I year two. And, I mean, if you really think about it, it almost was kind of kind of similar to uh, Paul Gunther's first year. Paul Gunther mm-hmm. struggled that first year, and then the second year, he kind of started to feel comfortable and was able to, you know, finally make progression with the defensive unit. And I think that Zampivi at least deserves 
another year just uh-huh. to see, you know, how he does now. If he doesn't do good next year, then, of course, obviously we have to move on. But I'm willing to you. give him a second chance in a second year given the factors from last year. I agree. I agree. Uh, but the, the the one thing they, they've got to solidify is that offensive line. And to me, they've, they've just about – you to me really I see all five positions along the offensive line really well other than Whitworth if you if you if you know if you bring him back those four right. positions can all be upgraded to me from from right. left guard all the way to right tackle right. I know center I know pro if you're talking pro football focus Bodine he had to be one of the the worst centers in the league easily. Easily. easily, easily. So you know you got to make those changes. But let me let me go to our next topic, and we're talking Ray Malaluga. We kind of touched that on on that already. I think you know right. we've been seeing him working out. Uh, uh, Buddy Renardo and the Real Bengals Talk uh, group. He uh, he's been posting lately, showing him working out and stuff like that because he knows his job is on the line. And right. uh, after coming coming to uh, camp out of shape and not ready to uh, participate. Uh, he, he knows that, that his job on the line, but we touched on that. I think the Bengals will probably – they're, they're going to address linebacker in the draft. That's definitely – it's a must. It's a must. And then I have one more, one more as far as – and we touched on that as far as the first round of the draft. Michael Johnson, where do you see Ray Malu and Michael Johnson? Do you see them on the roster this year coming up or no? Man, I feel like Ray Maluga, given um, the fact that there's not a a lot of uh, hard cap on the books for him, he could potentially definitely be a, a camp casualty, especially uh-huh. if that money is going to be used towards a young linebacker in the draft or possibly – you know, one of those offensive linemen that you alluded to, the Bengals possibly bringing in during free agency. I definitely mm-hmm. don't see him um, him making this roster, man. I feel like he's had his chances. I mean, he played under, uh, what, two contracts here already. Uh, I think it's time for us to go ahead move and on. move on from, from him. Now, mm-hmm. with Michael Johnson, I think that he's one of those guys that kind of fit that Domitopeco mode where they're a guy that is they're basically guys that are pretty good in the locker room right and, yeah. and you know they have locker a friendship with him and Gino and, and Dunlap and you know if you cut that, that guy yeah. yeah exactly if you cut that guy it kind of messes up your, your locker room a little bit and I mean uh-huh. I kind of understand that to a point you know you don't want to to keep a guy around and pay him a bunch of money that's just a locker room guy, but also that chemistry and having guys there, that matters That matters a lot too because, you know, if you cut a guy like Michael Johnson, how does that affect Geno Atkins and how does that affect Carlos Dunlap because they're all boys. You know, even when right. he left last time, he never – they actually had a group meet, a group – I think it was a group chat or something where he actually stayed in the group chat even after he went and signed with Tampa. Tampa so, I think because he's, you know, a good guy, he does a lot in the community, he's really uh-huh. big on family. I, you know, I said that I talked to John Thornton a couple of weeks ago, and he represents uh, he's, Michael Johnson, and he's, he's really big on family. Yeah, he's a he's, real big he's family guy. Definitely family guy. He's an Alabama guy. And, uh, heck, he, he, uh, my brother, he was on Instagram, and he does things for uh, the veterans. He's a big, big guy on the veterans. 
Hey, I even got a free ticket thanks to my brother uh, for with Michael Johnson to. Uh, one oh yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember that. Correct. Correct. Yeah, correct. So, you know, maybe, and you know, I'd never really see us do many like contract restructures. Maybe uh-huh. that's an option. Uh, but I uh-huh. think that he's at the point now where he's more of a, a rotational guy. You know, we exactly. have to get a younger edge rusher in there, and we can keep him around. I don't have a problem with keeping him around. Uh, right. I mean, maybe he comes, he starts to move towards that Wallace Gilberry role where he just kind of rotates in randomly here and there. So I see uh-huh. him staying around, but with Ray Malou, I definitely see his time uh, <laughs> his running his past. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's here and gone around Luca for sure. Okay, okay. Well, hey, anything else you got to say? Because we're gonna we'll wrap it up. We, we touched everything. Nah, man, I appreciate you guys having me on, man, and I definitely would love to have um, you guys on my show, man. We can bring you guys on and and do some more outlooks on the Bengals, even the Browns. We can look around the division, but yeah, man, I definitely uh, see what you guys are doing with Ohio sports, and I definitely salute and commend you guys on such a great job that you guys do here. I appreciate it, and uh, you, you got a lot of uh, former players on New Stripe City. I, w- I would love to have a uh, have a chat with, so uh, New Stripe City and uh, with an Ohio bias, we will definitely be uh, working together with this uh, I-71 South uh, podcast and uh, conglomerating and uh, – working with one another, you know, just giving folks uh, coverage on I-71 South. And, hey, if you're, you're, you're a Reds fan as well, well, we'll start to try to cover them a little bit as well. It's frustrating, uh, but, you know, spring training is here. And it's frustrating, but, you know, they're in a rebuilding mode, but we, we got to give them a little talk about them or whatever. But uh, right now it is exciting as far as going into the uh, combine. And uh, just interesting to see what both teams from, you know, Ohio here, uh, the Bengals are going to do and, and what the uh, Browns are going to do. It's, it's very interesting. Right, right. Let's introduce the show real quick. Um, With an Ohio Bias presents the I-71 South podcast featuring Garrett Staples. Garrett, we welcome you on in to this off-season pre-combine show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, fellas. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to talk with with an Ohio bias again, and it's that time, that combine time uh, back in uh, Indianapolis, and uh, you know it's just time for teams to get better and and make assessments and evaluate some guys who are getting long in the tooth and and get ready to move them out and bring in some uh, young blood. So I'm glad we I'm have always a, happy to talk about it. We got a special guest on this episode, Ahmad from New Stripe City. Uh, Ahmad, introduce yourself and just tell folks what they can get with your podcast that you do and also what they can expect, the breakdowns, the numbers, the statistics, the analytics. It's almost like pro football focus light at New Stripe City. Break it down for the folks. Oh, thank you, guys. Uh, my followers from New Stripe City, you guys may know me as Ace Boogie, and, and that's what we do, man. We dive into a lot of the topics pertaining to the Cincinnati Bengals, but we're also going to give you the numbers and the stats and all of that. So that's what we tend to do over there, man. I'm I'm just a Bengals fan at heart. I've been rocking with these guys for so long that I've just become a diehard fan. You know, I've always been interested in analytics. I, I have a little bit of a finance background, so that kind of, that kind of tends to push me towards the numbers uh, a little bit. 
But, you know, that's what we do over there, man. We do it for the fans, and we like to take the in-depth analysis at things, and we like to bring nothing but facts. So you can find us um, on Twitter at New Stripe City. Uh, we're also on in the iTunes podcast. And I just want to thank you guys again for having me on here, man. With, with an Ohio bias is a great, um, is a great uh, thing that you guys have going here, and I'm just glad to be on. All right, Ace Boogie, we thank you for joining us. Uh, Garrett, if you want to sign out and say goodbye to the good people. Hey, um, it's, it's just great to talk uh, football. And uh, even though we're on the, in the uh, off season, like they said, full football is 24-7. It's a 365-day-a-year uh, operation. And uh, right now you're getting ready to have free agency hit. And you got the combine getting ready to hit, getting you in preparation and in tune for the draft. So we will have more coverage as far as the Bengals with New Strike City and, of course, with Wizard Ohio Bias. You can follow both of us, uh, you know, um, on iTunes, Facebook, IG, and Twitter, of course. But um, it, it, it's good to conglomerate and, and have some new uh, Bengals blood in here, and we will definitely be working and conglomerating on both sides. And uh, I just like uh, talking with the uh, with Ohio Bias uh, fan base, and I'm just signing off, and uh, I'll be talking with you guys again. And as always, who day? Thanks a lot, man. Uh, one quick bonus question for you guys. Uh, I know you guys kind of mentioned it for real quick. Um, Option two at wide receiver. If Brandon Tate doesn't – isn't Brandon Tate a free agent? Wasn't that a one-year contract? Brandon LaFell. Brandon, Brandon LaFell. LaFell. Uh, LaFell. LaFell. I'm thinking Brandon LaFell, Tate. Uh-huh. Brandon LaFell. Um, I'm thinking – I know what I'm thinking Brandon's, though, because I wanted to mention this because I think he's a good fit. I saw this come across today, um, that Brandon Cooks is available. You think about Brandon Cooks out there, Kenny Stills, um, Brandon Cooks by trade, and then like when you mentioned Brandon Marshall, I just thought that was something interesting. Maybe some options right. for the Bengals to put a true, you know, speedster or Number two, more of a threat. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's that's pretty interesting, man. I think that uh, if they did go that route, I really think that Brandon Marshall is a pretty interesting uh, option for them uh, because Mike Brown comes from the the school of mind and school of thinking that he's he's looking for a bargain, right? So. If they can get a guy like a Brandon Marshall, obviously, you know, a multiple-time pro bowler for a low price, I think that they definitely consider it. If not him, I think that they'll look at aging veterans that may be cut like a Brandon Marshall. Um, They did that last year with Brandon LaFell. I really think that they like Brandon LaFell, so I think that he'll be back. If not, I think that they'll definitely address a wide receiver in the draft just because they've had really good luck with finding wide receivers. I mean, you look at last year, Tyler Boyd, he was one of the top receivers in the entire draft last year. You look at a Marvin Jones, you look at a Muhammad Sanu. I mean, they've had their fair share of luck finding receivers. So I think that they'll go either route, but um, definitely. One more name. I got one one more name for you, and you mentioned this a while back, uh, Muhammad. From the Bears, Alshon Jeffrey, what's what's your take on that? Alshon. I actually talked with John Thornton about Alshon, and he seems to think that we will not go after Alshon only because uh, the Bengals don't like to pay outside guys more than their inside guys. So if you're yeah. going after after a guy like Alshon, you potentially have to pay him more than AJ. And from what he's saying, oh, the no, Bengals more than likely, yeah, won't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, that's 
That was that's to shut that down quick. Gotcha. Now so I you, do you, I do hope. Now I'm not sure because you know I've been reading reports about Deshaun saying that he wants to get paid. I think Deshaun Jackson could be a possible option given whatever his market is. You know, if he ends up making it to the second week, I think that the Bengals have to pick up the phone and do something there. And it's funny because a lot of Bengals fans are still missed that we that we picked uh, Jerome Simpson over him. And what made me even more shocked is Marvin Lewis actually has a relationship with this guy. He went to high school. He grew up and went to high school with Deshaun Jackson's mother, and he knows his father. But for some reason, we've never actually gone after him. So that would be interesting to see. And then you also have to think about our wide receivers coach, James Urban, came from Philadelphia while Deshaun Jackson was there. So, I mean, there's there's those connections there, but, you know, it's going to depend on how the market shakes out. Exactly. Exactly. One one more name. You said Muhammad Sanu. What about the other Rucker Scarlet Knight uh, who got released by the Rams, Kenny Britt? Kenny Britt, I think, is a good is a good match too. I mean, I think he fits that mold of what the Bengals look for. They're looking for a guy that has a proven tracker track record, excuse me, of production, and he's definitely a guy I think that strikes them there. Now, he does have a little bit of some off the field concerns. I don't know if we'd be willing to overlook that, but you know, given what's happening with Pac Man Jones here, you know, that might be out the window. So I think Kenny Britt also could be an option. I think he's a pretty good guy. As long as he can still run, the Bengals would definitely be interested in him. All right, that's all I got. Oh, I do got one all more right. thing, actually. I do got one more thing. Would there be any possible time that basically this will go to the Coach Marvin Lewis question? He wouldn't get an extension this year, but could you see a marriage of maybe bringing back either either this this is the question, it's two questions. Either Marvin Lewis bringing back an old offensive coordinator who is in the last year of his contract in the city in Washington uh with a team that has an offensive name or uh-huh. that guy coming in and being the replacement for Marvin Lewis and Jay Gruden. Ooh, that's a great question. I think if uh Jay Gruden if Jay Gruden is is basically let go in Washington, I definitely think the Bengals will be interested. I mean, the whole reason that they brought Jay Gruden in is because they really wanted John Gruden, but they had had to basically settle for his brother. I think if uh, Marvin Lewis doesn't live up to the expectations next year, I think Jay Gruden would definitely be in consideration for the head coaching spot. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. That's a viable option, and being that he's an offensive-minded uh, coach, and he's already worked with Andy. So you're talking about your verbiage as far as the offense is concerned, you know, and the playbook and with his influence wouldn't much really too much change. So that could definitely be an option if if the Bengals – my feeling is this. If they go 500 or below next season and they don't reach the – the bottom line to me is if the Bengals don't reach the postseason and win a playoff game, I think Marvin is gone. That's just my personal opinion. And then I could see that that Jay Gruden um, being a, a viable option if he's, you know, fired or, or whatever happens out there in Washington this uh, season coming up. So it would be interesting. And I, and I think on the flip side of that, like let's say, for instance, you know, Marvin Lewis, gets to the playoffs with the offense struggles again with under Ken Zampezi and mm-hmm. Jay Gruden is let go, I could definitely see uh, Marvin Lewis going out 
and grabbing Jay Gruden and bringing him back in the fold as coordinator as well. Because he, mm-hmm. he was actually well-liked here. We actually, like Garrett stated, we actually still run his offense here to this day. And, I mean, he's been gone for a while. So definitely think that that's an option as well. My only my only issue with, with Gruden was Jay Gruden was that he just – to me, he, he got away from the, the run game. The run. Too I quick. Knew it. Yeah. I knew too it. Quick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, it was almost when uh, when he went to the Redskins and a lot of people were saying that their run game was struggling up until uh, Robert Kelly jumped in there, I was not surprised. We, we mm-hmm. all knew in Cincinnati why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. uh, that's all I got. Tony Kornheiser keeps talking about that. So, you know what I mean? I'm not even, like, hard on the Redskins or anything, but that just it sparked my, in my mind because I knew we were doing the – podcast tonight as a possible question so yeah oh well i have if you guys don't mind i have one question of my own that i can throw in there that kind of ties in a little bit of the Bengals and the browns um andrew hawkins was cut you know he started off with the Bengals. he actually started off originally with the browns a lot of people don't know that but you guys mm-hmm. cut him and then you know the Bengals jumped on to him signed him to our practice squad he came out finally got the chance to start he was very explosive you know, he ended up leaving Cincinnati for Cleveland, signing a lucrative deal when he was actually cut, I believe, earlier this week. So he asked I think for his that release. he could be – he asked for his release? Oh, wow. Yeah, he asked for his release. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I think that ever since the Bengals have lost Davey Hawk, it seems like we've kind of had a void there with uh, missing that part of our offense where we had that speedster. So I'm wondering if – I'm hoping that, you know, we're at least open to at least saying if he would be willing to come back to the Bengals. What are I'll tell you like this, there? right? Go, go, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I mean, mine, mine ain't even going to make the podcast. It's just this guy's one concussion away from me and not the league. But go ahead. Oh, I can see that because, yeah, he's definitely <laughs> – he, he had two with the Browns in the last two years. So, you know what I mean? That's what's kept him from right. being even on the field besides the quarterback carousel from having him being right. more productive. So, Right. And, I mean, honestly, I thought you guys – this being real, I thought you guys would have cut him last year just because you guys drafted so many good receivers out there. I mean, Corey Coleman – uh, man, all those guys are bums. All those uh, don't don't even oh, try to sugarcoat. Oh, they're all bums. There's not a there's oh, not man. there's not there's not a guy with a pair of hands in between all of them. You put five guys oh, out man. there, nobody catch the ball. Oh goodness, that's not good. Uh, I am not. I'm not happy with the Browns right now. So I didn't even want to start talking about them. So you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I got a podcast coming on them Sunday. I thought about writing a letter. I, I listen. I, the statement was on being the, I'm gonna start the podcast Sunday about the Browns is I'm so close to Berea right now. I might drive out there and smack the shit out of somebody. And that's exactly the way I'm gonna say it. So, right, because hey, right. I don't understand why they can't give Terrell Pryor a deal. They got over a hundred million dollars under the cap. They signed a long snapper and they made a long snapper and a, and a punter the most highest paid special teams players. But I digress. So that's all I, I'll say on that. But how do you feel about Hawkins, uh, Garrett? Um. Maybe Hawk, he, he he played well here. I, I, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer back on him, but I think thematically and with our, with our roster, he's going to have to play more special teams to, to make this team because I think what I really see happening is I think Boyd is going to be moved into the slot, and they're going to find somebody if it's going to be free agency or is it going to be in the draft to actually be the number two receiver 
behind AJ Green and and Boyd was really initially drafted to me to move into the slot. It was just that I don't know what, what was LaFell struggled a little bit and then when, you know, AJ went down he had to move into the the number two uh receiver position. So that's my, my personal take. So I, I think he'd have to share some time with uh Boyd, but I wouldn't mind uh seeing uh Hawkins back in the uh in the thick of things. Who's the fourth receiver? The special teams guy? It's actually Cody Core, and I think a lot of people. That's are right, the Georgia guy. Cody that's Core. right. Okay. I really he he actually um he played at Ole Miss. He um was the second Ole Miss. That's my bad. From, my bad. Uh, what's his name? Treadwell. What's the guy's name? Treadwell. Treadwell. Yeah, Laquan yeah. Treadwell. Yeah. As um, soon as you said Cody it, my bad. Yeah. No, no, no. You're good. Cody Core. I like him. Good. I like I liked him last year. He didn't actually get to play until what Garrett, the last five games of the season, but he was exactly. He was definitely a factor. I think he's a dark horse too. I um, like that yeah. other guy from LSU, but he he just I don't think he's James Wright. He can't yeah. stay healthy. James Wright can't stay healthy. I actually, to me, I think that the only reason why Boyd was used in the slot, he he can definitely play in the slot, but I think the main reason was that. They brought LaFell in. I actually wouldn't mind seeing Boyd move to the outside if they do move on from LaFell and if they brought in another guy in the slot just because, to me, Boyd isn't as fast as a guy that we had there like an Andrew Hawkins or, you know, a Jordan Shipley that we used to have back in the day. But, there's I mean, a guy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's, a, there's, a, there's a guy, I, I, before I forget his name, because he didn't even make – he didn't make the team, but he showed out on film, and he's on the practice squad, and I would really like to see them maybe try to bring him as the number two receiver, that Rashad Seminole, the 6'5 kid out of Canada. Right. And he was on the practice squad. I I follow him on uh, on Facebook or whatever. He's uh, He goes out to California a lot to train or whatever, but – Oh yeah, I think he came thing, from the CSL or something CSL, like that. Right? Oh, he he went to college up in Canada or whatever. In but, Canada, gotcha. Yeah, but he's, he's like six five, pretty pretty daggone fast, and and you can't teach height. And I think one thing right. when you play in the Midwest and you play in this cold weather, when you have a number two receiver or whatever, you got to have a, a a taller, bigger body, because like right. they say, like like a Chad Johnson and guys like that. They're great when it's hot and it's warm. Uh, quick, quick, what is it, fast twitch guys. But once right. it starts getting colder, that kind of thing, it's just easier to be able to throw it up to a, a practical bird kind of guys with those body types and just say, here, just throw it up to them where nobody else can get it and come down right. with it and, and keep moving moving the chains on drives. And I, I just kind of like this kid. And I'm hoping right. they move him up from the practice squad and, and give him a shot and maybe right. that number two position. But I still think they're going to try to draft another wide receiver, like you said. I think um, I, I'll throw out another practice squad guy that I like, um, Alonzo Russell. He's actually from – I think he went to uh, – was it Toledo? It was mm. it was an area in Ohio. He actually went to college there. I mm. really like this guy, man. When you watched him, um, I think it was our last preseason game last year, he actually mm. scored a touchdown, but they just never gave him – the opportunity to really kind of get in there just because the wide receiver room was a little crowded last year with Cody Core coming in, Tyler Boyd, Alex Erickson, who ended up making the roster. But quietly they moved him, they moved Alonzo Russell to the practice squad 
And um, when you get a chance, just check out his film from uh, college. This guy Will is do. pretty explosive. Will do, definitely. All right, gentlemen. Well, I think that we got enough there to make something happen with. So. Uh, All right. All right. Hey, thanks again, guys, for having me on. I know I was a little nervous in the beginning. I had to get my nerves down, but you know we managed. No, it's all good. Oh, give, man, give me a couple. Well, give man. me a couple of days with this one. Um, like I'll finish it watching the combine on Saturday. Um, I know I got something. I got an event. I got to go to tomorrow night. So, but uh, okay, cool. It, it should be. It should be up Sunday morning at the latest, if not Saturday at some point. I'll send it to you and everything through DM and whatnot. You'll you see. We'll be promoting the hell out of it and stuff like that too. So. Okay. okay, cool. Sounds you good. You guys are friends on Facebook, too, right? I don't uh, think we yeah, will I be. think I need to send them. Yeah, we will be. Yep. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, fellas. All, All right. right good night. All right, y'all have a good night. Bye-bye.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.